What is going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Injured Reserve Podcast with your hosts, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. First week of the NFL officially in the books, second week of college football has concluded, and I told you all about last week and my Michigan Wolverines against Army and said I was nervous for, you know, this type of reason. So first things first, let's just jump right into it. Um... The, the the trend going on right now is the whole Antonio Brown thing, right? Um, in my lifetime, I don't think I can ever recall an athlete. Like, there's been, at, you know, diva wideouts like Terrell Owens and Chad Johnson who, you know, they, they love the media, really. They thrive on it. The celebrations, they're entertaining. We love to watch them. They put up the stats. They put up the touchdowns, the receptions. They put fans, you know, they they bring attendance, nonetheless. Now, with AB, it's been, man, uh, uh, I never recall an athlete ever a day before Sunday, you know, Saturday afternoon, news broke out, Raiders cut AB, and then three, four hours later, AB's heading to New England. So in in all the midst of this, all following from last season, you know, the drama here and there when he was at Pittsburgh, to basically, you know, having his whatever whatever's going on in Oakland first he wants to retire then there's the helmet issue and then God knows what else is going on and now these sexual assault allegations are going on so with that being said man this is tricky territory because these are claims that happened over a year ago a year and a half give or take so, I don't know what's going to happen here. Because, one, it's New England. They don't deal with this kind of, you know, outside distractions. They knew what they were getting themselves into when they signed AB. So, I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, it's... Uh, I don't... I, I honestly... It's... It, with It just... It's so dumbfounding to me. You know, someone within a week yeah, that has such roller coaster ride of just emotions and, and just social media and media in general, just constantly having his name constantly just being the spotlight. And it, it's not even like the same problem. It's just, it's one thing, it's this, one thing, it's that. It just it never stops. And now these sexual assault allegations. And then there was pictures of leaked emails from the, the accuser accusing him and this and that. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, he He's claimed that he, you know, the relationship between this other this other woman was, you know, it was consensual. So who knows what's going to happen, how this is going to play out. Uh, you know, 
And we, we live in an era right now, it's like guilty into proven innocent nowadays. That's some particular reason that's just a popular thing to do nowadays. And one thing I never understood and I can't stand, whether it's celebrities, athletes, etc., is we constantly, we're so quick to judge and just point the finger and pull the trigger and just laminate them as that person now. There's never any hard found evidence right away. So we have to wait and see what happens. And with these kind of th- things that play out, we we as just normal people, regular nine to five jobs, act as if this is, you know, as if we are holier than thou. By all means, I'm not condoning, you know, the the situation, the acts of itself of what AB's done. But again, the, you know, he's innocent until proven guilty. But, you know, with media nowadays, Facebook, the IGs, the Twitters, whatever you want to call it, just so quick, just, you know, just laminate that person as, you know, as, you know, whatever that label is that they're being accused of. So, again, I this is going to be interesting and in how New England plays it out. But knowing New England, they'll, they'll deal with it and... Probably this is, you know, this is his last red flag for New England because they, they didn't deal with any kind of bull jive when it came to Randy Moss or anyone else that had any outside distractions. When you're on the team, that's it. That's that's your that's your job. That's your focus. That's it. From the from the start of August, you know, the training camps, the practices, the offseason workouts, whatever. All the way up until February, you know, whoever, for however long, if you made it to the playoffs, that's your, you know, that's your main agenda. That is your priority. So I'm sure New England with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and Robert Kraft, the way they handle things, you know, they'll have a sit down with AB and they'll, you know, they'll have their little discussion and Knowing AB, who knows? Because he'll probably leak it out. <laughs> uh, at this point, I, I'm not surprised by anything this man does nowadays. He had a conversation with John Gruden a couple of days before he got cut by the Raiders, uh, recording the conversation that he had John Gruden, and then posts it on IG. It's just it, it's like this man just constantly just garnished for attention. And it's like I never I don't understand that like. If I'm an athlete, the last thing I want is any kind of attention whatsoever. I, I you know, if it's going to be attention, there's nothing wrong with being on social media, but to constantly just, you know, some when you have a conversation with a phone call with a coach or a player, you don't want to, you know, record a video of it and then post it on Instagram. Like, you don't, that's just personal. That's personal conversations. That's just, that doesn't need to be out and about. You know, that's personal business. That's it. No one, myself, no one needs to hear about that or whatever said. So, either way, it's, you know, like I said, I, I believe, you know, New, New England, this would be his, you know, last draw. New England doesn't deal with this. They knew what they were getting themselves into. So, I believe they'll be able to discipline them, perhaps get that New England mentality of going for another ship. Because Brady wants that seventh. So with that being said, 
this this is AB's final chance, basically. Because if New England cuts you, because one they sh- they damn sure whooped it. You know they they put a whooping on my Steelers and they won by 30, 33 to three. Pittsburgh beat them last season. New England is they they shown anyone and everyone they're capable of winning without you know any All Star wideouts. Hell, they won the Super Bowl against the Falcons without Rob Gronkowski. So they're they're capable of they'll be fine without AB. It's just on AB. They showed that week one. They showed hey, I mean. We don't need you, but we decided to sign you. We decided we we recognize your talent. We recognize your hard work. And we know the stats that you put up. The last previous six seasons, he's the only wide receiver in the NFL history to have six consecutive seasons with over 100 receptions. He has a little over 11,000 yards receiving. So... And last season was his best season, his his high uh, highest single season uh, touchdowns. He had 15, and he even missed a game, the final game of the season. So, with AB, who knows? Anything, anything with him just does not surprise me anymore at this point. I'm still a fan of him, but man, it's just. I don't know. Well, it's just it's an iffy scenario. It's a touchy subject. Uh, being accused like this. So again, uh, this was just coming to report of yesterday. So we'll see how things play out. Give it time. You know, like I said, nowadays we're in a trend where someone's accused of something, they're guilty until proven innocent. So, but either way. Um, this A-B scenario, this upcoming season, he needs to act right. <laughs> no helmet con- uh, controversy, no Facebook Live in the locker room, no you know, recording conversations with coaches on the phone and then posting it online, no you know, posting whatever kind of Twitter thing he has going on, having some drama on the in the locker room or whatever personal agenda that he may not have in favor of whoever. He's got to be professional. Everyone at New England gets no special treatment. He needs to realize that. He got the special treatment in Pittsburgh, but Bill Belichick, no. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Randy Moss, uh, from all the way that, you know, during the early 2000s with Dion Branch, Teddy Bruschi, to Rodney Harrison, they... The, you know, the recent retired linebacker, James Harrison, you know, they all get the same equality. 50-50 treatment. You put in the work. If you don't want to, you can go. <laughs> but, you know, Bill Belichick, it's like, I got, I got six championship rings. And <laughs> that's all he has to say, really, to A.B. It's like, I, I got six rings. How many you got? You know, how many playoff wins you got? So... They got the resume. Brady's got the resume. So, either way, New England right now, with that kind of... They just recently waved Demarius Thomas, so he's gone. He's a free man. I'm more more positive that, you know, whoever he signs up, you know, he'll get picked up. I'm pretty confident. He's a solid wideout. He's all pro. 
But, man, you look at that roster, you look at that lineup, and I, I've been saying this since they picked up AB. Do not be surprised if they bring Rob Gronkowski out of retirement. Just saying. He can be back, I would say. I wouldn't say he come back right away, but give it, give or take around week 9, week 10, I think Gronk comes back. He's not – he wasn't – I don't think he's really been training football shape-wise since he announced his retirement, so – he does stay in shape, but he's just not in football shape. So give him some prep time. He'll go in that hyperbolic time chamber. He'll prep up, get ready for this season, come back, win another ring with Brady. He sees the blueprint. He's like, we got a shot at another one. So I think with him, I mean, he's only, he's not even 30 yet. He's 29. Um, so I think he just needs some time off just mentally and physically. His body has taken its toll since he's entered the league. He's had it. He's been banged up a little bit, few few knee injuries here and there. So I believe he will return, and he could possibly play. He'll probably play. I would say maybe another two three years. That that's just my theory. Same thing with Andrew Luck. You know he retired. He's not even thirty yet. Seven seasons with the Colts. Twenty nine years old. He's been. You know, been kicked around since 2012. But I think he'll be back. He just needs some time to digress, take take personal space, get away from anything football-related, heal up mental, mentally and physically, but most importantly, mentally. That's where you got to get right. And that's where, you know, I got to give high praise to Josh Gordon. He played a hell of a game against Pittsburgh. I'm glad that he, I hope he's in a good place. Because last season, he was back in New England, got reinstated by the NFL, and he could have played, he could have won that ship with them. But, you know, especially playing with that kind of caliber of a team, that you all of a sudden, it's like, I got to stop for a bit and just, you know, I got to go away for a bit and get some rehabilitation mentally, whatever addictions that he has going on and whatever demons he's fighting, so... Kudos to him. I hope he's at peace. Keep fighting the good fight. But he looked great out there. He's a a legitimate threat for New England. Looks like he hasn't lost a step one bit. And plus, not to, uh, you know, to add Julian Edelman. Approaching his mid-30s, but not as fast. But still, you know, he's still versatile. He still has a little spark to him. It's amazing what he's been able to accomplish. Uh, uh, last season Super Bowl MVP, not even six foot. I think he's like him and I are damn near close to the same height. I'm five nine. I think he's like five ten, maybe five eleven. So it's amazing what he's been able to accomplish through his career. He's not going to get you the big numbers, but he'll still get you, you know, seven eight hundred yards receiving. He's had a few thousand yards receiving, but I think that time has passed for him. He did tear his ACL, and that's a hard thing. That that can take a toll on your body on any kind of position, especially not so much. I mean, Brady, yeah, he tore his ACL. But when you're a quarterback, you're expected to not get hit as much. But when you're constantly running and on the go every single play, that's going to take a toll on a running back or wideout position. So he's not going to be the same. But still, he's still going to be able to contribute and be that pivotal player that New England needs him to be, like it, like he was 
when they won the Super Bowl last season. So, looking at his whole career and the debate about him possibly being a future Hall of Famer, uh, it's up in the air. Because you really look at it, his stats and his accolades doesn't really match up to some of the guys in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he got that Super Bowl MVP, but besides that, not a whole lot. You know, oohs and ahs. I believe, I'm guesstimating, I'm sure he made a Pro Bowl here and there, but I don't think it'll be enough to be able to get him into into the Hall of Fame in Cleveland. So I wish it could because God knows, I mean, he came out of Kent State. He dropped a few rounds in the draft, five or six, give or take. But I don't think it'll be enough. But who knows? I don't know the, the criteria when it comes to making the NFL Hall of Fame. As far as I thought, it was all about the stats if you make the Hall of Fame. You know, it didn't even matter if you didn't have a Super Bowl ring. Because sometimes, you know, that should not be a factor anyways. Because Dan Marino doesn't have a... He, he doesn't have a ring. Came close. He made one appearance. But... That doesn't disregard his credentials as a quarterback and his stats. You know, some players just have to do it alone, put up, you know, become phenomenal players and just don't get that ring. But either way, you know, Dan Marino, we we know he's a hell of a lot better quarterback than some of the quarterbacks that won Super Bowls in the past. Uh, I'm trying to think of one right now, actually. I believe Trent Dilfer... Was it uh, for the Baltimore Ravens back in 2000? He got a ring, but it's not because of him. It's because of that infamous defense uh, that the Ravens had. But either way, this upcoming season, it's uh, it's it's going to be eccentric. But looking at New England's schedule. In their roster now with A.B., Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, Brady still playing in his prime, threw three touchdowns against Pittsburgh. They got uh, James White, Sony Michelle. They, uh, and their defense, just phenomenal. Like, their defense was kind of iffy the past two seasons, but they look dangerous now, so... New England, they legit have a chance of going undefeated again. <laughs> so, because I honestly don't see anyone stopping them. Um, but, again, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how things unravel. But, with that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break, and you are listening to Injury Reserve Podcast. Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So, like I said last week, my projection, uh, Army versus Michigan. Michigan barely pulling out against them. Winning in double OT, 24-21. Army had a shot, too, to upset the big big house. 
But man, I, oof. As I said before, man, uh, Army, they, they, they fight hard against any ranked team. It don't matter who it was. They fought Ohio State last season hard. You know, it, it don't matter who it is. Uh, they'll fight Notre Dame hard too. So, but Michigan, oh, God. The first two weeks, it's just Middle Tennessee, okay. They did okay. And then Army, oof, giving me gray hairs. And now they have a bye this week. So 10 days from today, they got to travel to Camp Randall Stadium, Madison, Wisconsin, at Wisconsin, face off against the Badgers. And Badgers are no slouch, first of all. Uh, They're always in the mix. They're ranked in the top 25, especially if you're going to Wisconsin. That's a hard place to win at. Wisconsin... This could be their real first legitimate test of the season. This is they can't play like they can't play Wisconsin like they did Army. Uh, they they can't play Wisconsin like they did Middle Tennessee. Shea Patterson, honestly, I think something seems iffy about him. I think he's low key hurt. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, he he's reiterated before he's fine, he's healthy. It just something about Shea just doesn't seem right to me. I could be overthinking it, but it feels it looks like he's hurt out there. I don't know why. It just it seems like he's kind of timid out there. Uh, but nonetheless, they got to travel at Wisconsin afternoon game, top twenty-five battle, first Big Ten conference game of the season, and that's going to be their first true legitimate test. So, and I know I've been hard on Harbaugh before, and truth be told, I I said before, I give the credit where credit is due. He has turned this program around significantly. I've said this multiple times, a lot better from the era of Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez. Uh, Before that, Lloyd Carr was solid. The only issue with Lloyd Carr was, you know, we would have these nine, ten win seasons, 11, give or take. Go to a Rose Bowl or whatever BCS championship series, but we would just always, you know, fall short against Ohio State, and that's the issue that we're having now with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, hell, with Brady Hoke, at least he got one W against Ohio State back in 2011. His his four year tenure there, uh, he finished 31 and 20. Uh, 18 and 14 in the Big Ten play, but hell, even that, even that man was able to get a W against Ohio State. Granted, that was during the time where Ohio State was kind of down and out. Jim Trestle was gone, and Ohio State had a down season where they went like six and six. But still, against Ohio State, they were able to get that W. What makes me nervous more than ever is not only just this game itself and how Michigan's been playing recently but all these previous poor, four, these past four seasons that Harbaugh's Kench uh, excuse me that has coached against Ohio State Michigan has had their defense ranked in the top top 10 and 5 all those years right and every time they face Ohio State they just get wiped off the map it just seems that de- that defense just disappears or, 
let me see it. Let, no, let me reiterate. It's not so much the defense disappears, but the defense gets tired. That's a better way of putting it. The problem is these past four seasons is when they face Ohio State, they they defensively, they are phenomenal. They are scary, but their offense just remains complacent. You know, they put on average, you look at it, this past four meetings between Ohio State and Michigan, Ohio State on average puts up 41 points to opposing to Michigan's 25. And, you know, they lose a possession like that. It's just their defense is phenomenal and they're great. They, they get all these high regards from all of the professionals and the analytics, this and that. But, hey, I've witnessed it before. They Their defense, you can't have their defense on that field so many times. And last year, though, I don't know what happened besides last season, but the previous three before that. But last season was probably the most heartbreaking one because... There's, their defense just fell apart. I mean, 62 to 39. I mean, man, you 62 points. And Michigan did put up 39 points. But, man, if you would have told me last season that Michigan's going to put up 39 points against Ohio State and they're still going to lose, I, I would have thought you're on crack, <laughs> to be quite frank. But... It's just, it's kind of, Michigan's stuck between a rock and a hard place right now. It's just like, where do we go from here, right? I mean, Jim Harbaugh, the past four years, he's 38 and 14. On average, he'll, you know, he'll get you 10 wins and three losses. And Big Ten play, 26-9, phenomenal, right? It's just, you know, four uh, or excuse me, six out of those nine losses, four of them were from, from Ohio State, two from Michigan State, and then the rest were kind of iffy. Penn State's in there. But for the most part, again, he's done a phenomenal job there. He's turned that program around. It's just Michigan... you gotta you gotta win against Ohio State in the past four tries it's just it's it was heartbreaking enough but last season was definitely heartbreaking so the he's I don't want to say he's on the hot seat because truth be told who who is better to replace him I I really can't think of anyone else that's a, a a better coach than Harbaugh so, and there's, you know, there's always those rumors that will spread near the end of the season. Is he going to go pro? Is he going to go back to the NFL? And I think he does want to come back to the NFL. And his true goal is to win a Super Bowl. He, I mean, back in 2012, he was, you know, very close, losing to Baltimore Ravens against his brother, Super Bowl 48. Ray Lewis is right off into the sunset. So they had a shot back when he was coaching at San Fran. And he's, he did a great job there. He turned that organi- organization around, going 44-19-1, and 5-3 uh, playoff record. So I do believe that's his, his main goal, uh, first coaching resume. But before anything, his, uh, you know, that monkey on his back is beating Ohio State. Um, 
and winning a national title. If he can do that, he he can. I have no issue with him leaving. To be honest with you. I mean, go 14 and 0, beat everyone, beat Michigan State, beat Notre Dame, beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, uh, win the BCS series, get that natty for the first time since 1997 during Lloyd Carr's tenure. I mean, it's it's been over two decades. It's been two decades too long. So, but. The way Michigan has played in these past two games, not even close to national potential. Not even close to Clemson or Bama's potential. Because truth be told, granted, yes, I have gotten on Bama's case of playing weak schedules. But to a certain extent, I do got to give them credit. Because <clears throat> when it comes to big, big primetime play, they do show up. <clears throat> Yeah, I just don't see how they consider Tennessee a rivalry. I, I never got that. Tennessee's 0-2. Tennessee's junk. They have been good in years. Not since the Manning era. But they, they beat Auburn and they beat Georgia. Those are their true tests. So I will give them that. And Georgia's a solid squad. But I just never got their, you know... They're, it doesn't make sense. They before they're facing someone big like a Auburn, they face like a weak team, and then they get like a bye, and then they face Auburn or something like that. So, like I said, it's like Michigan facing someone weak, a non-conference opponent getting a bye, and then facing Ohio State. It just it, it never made sense to me because a, a lot of. A lot of these teams will get like an early buy, like Michigan has this week, or a midseason buy, and then the rest is just all conference play. Not some non-conference opponent at like eight, nine games in. It doesn't make sense at that point. But either way, I mean, we'll see how things unravel. I'm not, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm hoping, but I'm not hoping a lot. I'm not feeling confident traveling to Wisconsin next week. Then they got a few opponents that I f- feel fairly confident. Well, as I said, I, ten days from now we'll see how we'll see how I feel after this. They got to go to Wisconsin. Then they got then they got a few home games against Rutgers and Iowa. Then at Illinois. Then at Penn State. That's going to be another big test. Penn State always plays us hard. Then Notre Dame at home. I think that might be a night game. And then travel at Maryland, and which be careful, Maryland, because Maryland, I don't know what's in the water, what's gotten into them, but they're ranked in the top 25. Um, their coach, Mike Laxley, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I apologize if I chopped it up. Laxley, this is, this is his first season. They're 2-0, and man, they have been killing people. They've been wiping the floor with anyone and everyone that they have met. Uh, their first tune-up game, quote-unquote, 79 to nothing. And then they're upset against Syracuse, who was ranked 21 at the time, who's now f- fell off the associating coaches poll of the top 25. They beat them 63-20. to 20. So you take all that in the first two games, 63 points and 79 points. 
You add all that up, that's like, what, 142 points in two games? That's unheard of. I mean, that's got to be some type of record. And looking at Maryland, don't be surprised, man. I mean, they're, they're, they're still somewhat new to the Big Ten. Um, they didn't join the Big Ten until a couple years ago. But man, uh, they're ranked twenty. They're they're ranked twenty uh, one in the nation. And so, looking at their schedule, I mean, they they could be one of those under the radar teams this season. We'll see. Uh, they got at Temple, then they got Penn State though. Penn State's gonna be a true test. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Penn State beat them last season, thirty-eight to three. So that'll be their first legitimate test, in which Penn State is uh, a ranked thirteenth. But not to get too sidetracked, Michigan. You know they got Maryland, so they got to look out for Maryland. Then you know the Paul Bunyan Trophy, the rivalry against Michigan State at home, then at Indiana, and then you know of course. The infamous the game, Michigan versus Ohio State, noon game per usual, and that's where I just get a little older, just a little bit. <laughs> so, but but due to that Army game, Michigan fell down three spots, went from seventh to tenth, rightfully so. I've even stated, and I wish that Michigan, um, I wish they lost that game. I really did. The reason being, it's just a, a game like that. You lose early. You need to get punched in the mouth or, uh, early in the season. So, therefore, you can still have a shot at the BCS if you slip up one time. Because if you slip off late, then there's no rebounding. So, I wish Army would have, you know, I wish they would have humbled them. Because Michigan needs to wake up. They need to get, they got, hopefully this is a game that did wake them up. You know what I mean? So, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, they beat Wisconsin last last season, 38-13. So, I don't know. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. But we shall see how things unveil from there. But with that being said, we take a quick little break. And y'all are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So, <laughs> it's near the end of the day, Sunday, you know, getting ready for Sunday night, getting ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers versus New England Patriots for that big-ass debacle. I know, I'm on, the, I'm on my PlayStation 4, just kind of chilling, and all of a sudden, I get a text from my brother because I looked at my phone, I don't know, a couple minutes ago, probably not even a half hour. I see the Lions and Cardinals game. Lions score early to start the fourth quarter. It's 24 to 6. Kyler Murray struggling, but give him, giving him some leeway because he's a rookie quarterback. And I'm like, well, 24 to 6. 
highly unlikely anything's going to happen. Detroit's got this in the bag. It's over. Again, this is not even a half hour. A few minutes goes by. I get a text from my brother. And I'm in this group text between my brother and my cousin, who's a big Lions fan. Don't ask me why. And I get a text him saying, "The you know, it's somewhere along the lines. I'm paraphrasing a bit, but, you know, the Lions and Cardinals is a tie game. 24-24. I'm like, how? The Lions just pulled Atlanta Falcons, basically, essentially, is what they did. Like Atlanta did in the Super Bowl against New England. Kyler Murray somehow gets his Tom Brady mentality... He goes from, God knows, whatever he was throwing, finishes the game 27, or excuse me, um, he finishes the game 29-54, over 300 yards passing, two passing touchdowns, and only one pick. I don't know what happened, so I tune in late to see the game is headed into OT. Both teams hit field goals. Nothing comes about of it. Almost Arizona Almost picked up Matthew Stafford, which he that man would have been gone because there's nothing but green grass ahead of him, but he dropped it. And essentially, you know, tie tie ball game, 27 all, right? <laughs> Not exactly how you want to end a game. Ties are worse than losses. In which NFL needs to change that rule. So I look at it, and I'm thankful because Larry Fitzgerald goes off in the fourth quarter. He gets eight receptions, 113 yards, and the touchdowns. He's on my fantasy team. He was kind of struggling, in which I don't expect him to contribute a lot because considering he's on the, you know, he's on the brink of retirement, but I know he usually get, gets me consistent points for the most part. He gets me 25 points, all because I don't know what happened to Kyler Murray. <laughs> I don't know if he drank MJ's secret stuff like Space Jam while <laughs> while taking a timeout. I don't know what happened. But that young man went off. And Matthew Stafford, you know, played a solid game. 27-45, 385 yards, three touchdowns. Um, TJ Hawkinson, solid, solid uh Solid game, six receptions over 130 yards, touchdown. Daniel Amendola, who they picked up in the offseason, he did his thing. Seven catches over 100 yards, touchdown. Marvin Jones, or excuse, yes, Marvin Jones, four receptions, 56 yards. Kenny Galladay, you know. So they got a solid squad when it comes to their wide receiving core. A few role players, not not anyone that's really going to be ooh and ah and possibly make the Pro Bowl. Maybe Kenny, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. But for the most part, I just knew over time, I'm like, you know, Stafford has like game-winning drives before. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, I think he can pull this off. But I don't know what the hell's going on in that organization. They just fired their offensive coordinator. And I don't, I don't know if it's an offensive court. I didn't watch the entire game, so I can't really say what exactly broke down but from my assumption if I'm you know someone's telling me yeah this team 
was up 18 to start the fourth quarter. They're up 24 to 6. I'm like, they should have that in the bag, right? You know, all, all defense just has to do their part. And that's it. I guess not, because evidently it was the offensive coordinator's fault. So, again, it's just whatever's going on in Detroit in that front office has never made sense to me whatsoever. I always said, and I always say this, um, they should not never got rid of Jim Caldwell. They should have kept with him. They should never hired Matt Patricia. I don't know why the Lions act like Matt Patricia is going to have this trickle-down effect like Bill Belichick when he was coaching at New England. It's not going to happen. Jim Caldwell was a you know a stand-up solid coach. And... I, I don't know. I just never got... They made the playoffs, and they were one game away from making the playoffs again in Jim Caldwell's final season. So... I don't know. So, with Detroit, I would... Y'all Lions fans, I don't know how y'all do it. I just... Detroit is just... I don't even have the word for them anymore. And not, it's like with the A-B scenario. Anything they do, nothing surprises me with them anymore. Whatsoever. They... How can I say this? They have the ability... They just have to... We, we call, Up in the Midwest, especially up here in Michigan, they call... Uh, well, the Lions are lining again. They essentially, they play three great quarters of a game. And they just, they, some reason, just struggle in the fourth. They choke, essentially. Uh, but, I don't know. And, excuse me, I don't, never mind. I must have, must have misread a headline somewhere because I thought I read somewhere that Detroit fired their offensive coordinator but I guess not I, I thought I read that somewhere but I suppose not so but either way Detroit man they they have a they have a lot of work to do the running game I like Kieran Johnson I liked him out of Auburn I, I thought picking up CJ Anderson was a solid pickup uh pickup he's not gonna give you get you a thousand yards but he's a solid short yardage running back can get you, you know, uh, at the goal line, just give it, he's a short, stout bowling ball, he can get you those touchdowns here and there, or first down, Karen, J- Karen Johnson's more versatile, but it, uh, they're for, granted, it was the first game, but still, I mean, they only had three yards, it just seems, I mean, throwing the ball 45 times, um, uh, I feel like, yeah, Matt Patricia, like, that's on the coaching. Like, you got to mix it up a little bit more, at least. You can't be giving, handing the ball off only 12 times. I get it. Sometimes, you know, you don't have a play here and there, and you only get two yards, and you say, well, we got to start passing. But you got you to leave the defense. You got to keep the defense on their toes. You got you to keep them guessing. But if you're going to throw the ball 45, 50 times a game, 80% of the time, your opponents are going to assume that you're going with Stafford every single time. So, 
But I don't know. Detroit, they're going to Detroit. I'm still sticking with my my preseason prediction I had with them. I think they go 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 at best. They, they finish below 500 again. But with that being said, I appreciate y'all listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Um, today's, you know, as most of y'all know, it's September 11th. You know, hearts and prayers and thoughts to all those families that happened on that infamous day 18 years ago. Over 3,000 innocent people lost their lives at the Twin Towers in New York City. Um, so, but either way, I hope everyone has a great day. Uh, have a great weekend. And y'all have a good one. This is Injured Reserve Podcast, and I'll talk to y'all next time.